appreciate the opportunity to be able to come together and give you thanks our worship, Father. God, I pray, Lord, that you would challenge us this evening, Lord. We know that we are sitting in a church where true love is. We ask, God, that our hearts would be open, Lord Jesus, to tonight's word. God, I thank you for it. I thank you for your faithfulness, Lord Jesus. You're a good God. Merciful God, we praise you and we thank you for that, Lord. We come against the enemy and all the plans he has to steal and to kill and destroy this word before it gets to our hearts, before we can apply it, Lord Jesus, and put it into practice, Father. We come against him in Jesus' name. God, we are together tonight. We know that you are with us. We know that we're chasing thousands of, of uh, demons tonight, Father, just by congregating together, Lord Jesus. We know that Satan hates it, Father, but we know, Lord Jesus, that you tell us, Lord God, to continue to meet together, to continue, Father, to meet together, to worship you, to cry out to you, to know you more, increase our knowledge of you tonight, the scriptures tonight, Lord Jesus. Have your way, Lord God. I simply trust you with this service. In Jesus' name, amen. This may be fade light up a little bit. That's good. You don't have to have too many lights on tonight. It's kind of still light out outside. What do you think about that? Mostly cheers. I like it. I love winter. I love skiing. I love all of that, but I'm, I'm ready. If it's going to be winter, I want there to be snow. If it's not if it's winter with no snow, it's just, it's, sometimes it's just not fun. The parking lot is in a, a wretched mess, is it not? It is atrocious. Someone tracked in again a little bit tonight. This is not just frowned upon, but we're getting angry. Um, please wipe your feet, please. If it, honestly, if, you're, if it's going to track in that much, just take your shoes off. Because I saw Troy after the service today scrubbing the carpet with a push broom. It's not necessary. Just wipe your feet. Please wipe your feet. Um, well, good evening. Um, the youth have joined us tonight. There's several here. Hopefully not too many of you went over to the youth house and received no greeting. There was no one there. Um, I told you this morning that this, the, tonight's message, I didn't really have a, a whole lot. I knew... Whenever I get message ideas, I put them in my phone or some type of device under the category message ideas, and it could be a thought, it could be a phrase, a sentence, a scripture, whatever, um, and I just throw things in there all the time or else I know that I would forget. Um, but this, this is going to kind of tail off of this morning. Um, it's, I, wouldn't, I don't know if I'd call it a two-parter, but it kind of tails off of this morning after the scripture that I read in Numbers 20 today and just kind of praying. I went over to my office about three o'clock and was there the rest of the day and tried to put this together and having it tail off of this morning. There's another message I know that God has really put on my heart. I'm just waiting for the timing of it and have everything in place for it. Um, but tonight, I kind of want to remind you again of a couple of things and I want to encourage you. Um, a lot of people say that the Old Testament, you can't really get a whole lot from the Old Testament. I know you probably wouldn't say that, but unsaved people was that for today or whatever it's, it's kind of null and void we are one we live in the new testament we're not under the law and which is all true but there's a lot of things that you can take from the old testament 
In fact, as it's kind of reminded today that as you read the Old Testament, you should really constantly and always be thinking of Christ. <laughs> He's the center of the whole thing, right? He's the center of the Bible, the, the event that took place on the cross. If you look at it really carefully, a lot of the Old Testament kind of foreshadows everything that happens in the New Testament, especially on Calvary as symbolism and as a type of Christ and how that happens. So um, God kind of opened something up to me today. This is kind of cool, and I knew that I wanted it to kind of to um, piggyback or tail off of what was said this morning and what God said this morning. I just want to have kind of a sweet, intimate time tonight after the, uh, uh, the message tonight, maybe a couple of worship. The band's going to come back up. We're just going to have him do maybe that song that you just heard. Again, it'll be um, preceded by maybe one altar call song. We'll see what happens, but um, I just have a few things to say tonight. If you want to turn to Numbers 20, um, God showed me this, and I thought, man, I've been a youth pastor for 14 and a half years. I've been reading the Bible for quite a long time. Um, you know, I've preached, it's safe to say, well over a thousand messages, um, especially when it comes to the youth ministry and Sunday night after Sunday night for 14 and a half years, and then over here and in different places. And But this was kind of cool, and maybe some of you kind of already read into this and you know this, but Numbers 20, I'm going to read the first 12 verses, 1 through 12. And this is going to put us in a position tonight of kind of where we were this morning, but I want to remind you of a couple of things again. The, then came the children of Israel and even the whole congregation into the desert of Zin in the first month, and the people abode in Kadesh. And Miriam died there and was buried there. And there was no water for the congregation. Now, there's a couple of times where smiting the rock was instructed but I want to make a, a, a distinction here. Um, there was no water for the congregation. They gathered themselves together against Moses and against Aaron. And the people contended with Moses and spake. These are the people speaking. Well, God, that we had died uh, when our brethren died before the Lord. And why have ye brought up the congregation of the Lord into this place, this wilderness, that we and our cattle should die there? And wherefore have you made us come up out of Egypt to bring us into the evil place? There's no place for seed here. There's no figs here, no vines, no pomegranates. Neither is there any water to drink. And Moses and Aaron went from the presence of the assembly, from the people, unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation, and they fell upon their faces. And the glory of the Lord appeared unto them. Now listen to what the Lord said. The Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Take the rod, and gather thou assembly together, thou Aaron and thy brother, and Aaron thy brother, and speak ye unto the rock before their eyes, and it shall give forth his water. A lot of you probably understand the foreshadowing here, but I want to kind of break it down for you as well. So this is not a part of the scripture where it says to smite the rock. This is a part of the scripture where it says to speak to the rock okay so I'm hoping that you're all kind of hanging with me here it, it says speak ye unto the rock before their eyes the other the people the assembly the congregation and it shall give forth his water talking about the rock and thou shalt bring forth to them water out of the rock so thou shalt give the congregation and their beasts drink and Moses took the rod from before the Lord as he commanded him. And Moses and Aaron gathered the congregation together before the rock. And he said unto them, Hear now, ye rebels, 
See, Moses has an attitude. Now understand that, you know, remember Noah's story? Noah didn't want to go to Nineveh, so he fled, then was spewed back up on dry land, and then he went to Nineveh just because God's like, sorry, Jonah, who'd I say? Yeah, I know. Um, so Jonah did not want, you were listening, good, yes, that's, that's good. Test has been passed. Um, so Jonah wanted, uh, didn't want to go to Nineveh, but he ended up going to Nineveh, and he basically was thinking about the people of Nineveh, a modern New York City, kind of in the day that we live in now, back then had like 120,000 people, large city, and he would be like, I'm not going there because I'll tell them to repent, and it'll be just like you, God, to have mercy on them, and they'll repent, and everybody always say, they don't deserve it, right? And that's kind of how Jonah was. So Moses kind of has a little bit of an attitude here like this. He comes out of meeting with God. He goes away from the people. He goes back to the assembly of the people after God telling him to speak to the rock and he'll provide water from the rock and refers to rock as his. Okay? And this is the Old Testament. So Moses lifted up his hand and with the rod he smote the rock. Um, where did I leave off? And Moses lifted up his hand Verse 10. Okay. Hear now, ye rebels. Much we fetch you water out of this rock. Almost like he had an attitude and he knew it. He's like, okay. Hear now, ye rebels. You bunch of punks who aren't walking with God very correctly and you're complaining all the time. Hear now, ye rebels. Should we get, I'm going to have to get water from this rock? See, he didn't. He didn't hear, didn't obey, didn't understand, didn't do what God told him to do. Okay? So Moses lifted up his hand, and with his rod, he smote the rock twice. And the water came out abundantly, and the congregation drank. Now, even though Moses smote the rock and didn't speak to the rock like God said, God still had mercy on the people. Okay? Still had mercy on the people, even though the leader had an attitude. And their beasts also. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, because ye believe me not, this is a big deal to God. And I just, I just kind of read into this today. That, uh, that you believe me not to sanctify me in the eyes of the children of Israel, therefore ye shall not bring this congregation into the land which I have given them. This is a huge deal. Wandering for 40 years, the whole point was at the beginning or so of the 40th year, they were going to inherit this land, and they said, nope. You're not. This is a huge deal. God was mad. God was angry with Moses and Aaron, and Aaron was kind of guilty by association, right? So if you kind of read into this, you know, Paul even said that all these things happened to the children of Israel as examples for us, if you look in Corinthians. And 1 Corinthians 10, 11 says, upon whom the ends of the world are come. So this, there's a lot of things that we can pull from all these verses there's got to be some illustrations here and i kind of gave you a couple of pictures and the warning that we see within these scriptures and it's worth paying attention to so the whole plan was and i know that i've been you know i've read the bible a couple times maybe not all the way through but here and there several times and at the beginning of the 40th year after exodus from egypt the people of god i know that they were supposed to inherit the promised land under joshua's leadership and they were about to go in and possess the land, and they would abound there. Um, but they were in horrible spiritual condition. 
Okay? This promise that God had given them, this promised land, I should say. They were in horrible spiritual condition. They were full. All these people were full of unbelief. They were uh, fighting with their leadership. And there was no evidence of the blessing of God as really far as they could see. So they kind of declared that God had brought them into a place that appeared fruitless. And they were, they had attitudes. And even then, God still provided water for them in his mercy. Because please understand that the character and the nature of God, until the judgment day of Christ, the great white throne judgment, the judgment seat of Christ, until those days come, God's nature and character is mercy. It is. It's mercy. So to top it off, they claim that they're dying of thirst. Millions of people. So why do you think that God was so upset with Moses and with Aaron for not obeying what he asked them to do? If you think about all that Moses had endured through the desert with these particular people for 40 years in the wilderness, he remained faithful. And I think of people like Pastor Joe, who has been in the ministry, New Hope, who I believe be 25 years old next month. Um, you know, Pastor was at another church here. He worked in ministry bef- a little bit before he came here to the calling, the seminary, and how many years he's been faithful to God all these years, and same with Moses. He's gone through all these things with all these people who are complaining constantly, who don't deserve what God has promised them, but God in his mercy is willing to deliver what he has promised. But this was kind of like the last straw with Moses and Aaron, the leadership. Now you're not going. You will not inherit this land. This is a big deal because what has God promised you and what are you doing, what are we doing to prevent it? Disobedience cannot be blessed by God. It can't be. He cannot bless disobedience. So they were about to go in to possess this land and uh, there wasn't really a whole lot of evidence of the blessing of God and they declared that God had brought them into this place that appeared absolutely fruitless there was nothing good there they're dying of thirst and now uh, Moses had endured all these years in the wilderness with these people he remained faithful but what was it about and this is what I read today I thought man that that's this is awesome and then I looked at a few scriptures in the New Testament and I thought this this is this is really cool and it, this is going to tail off of this morning and you're going to see how so what did Moses, you know, what, what about what Moses did about smiting the rock instead of speaking to the rock like God had commanded? What was so bad about that? What was so bad about that to deserve such a severe judgment as, as um, to the point, to the extent of you are not going to inherit the promised land now? Now we know that he came out of there and he's like, oh, you bunch of rebels. We know he hit it with anger in his heart. You're not supposed to do anything with you know, be angry, but sin not. You can be angry, but don't do anything while you're angry, right? Don't discipline your kids full of anger and emotion, and right? You're just obeying the word when it says to do that. And you love them afterwards, and you tell them why it had to happen, and maybe you pray with them. But you shouldn't do these things in anger. And Moses was angry, and he's smiting the rock, even, told, even though God told him to speak to the rock. All you needed to do was speak to it, and water was going to rush forth. So he's he's no stranger to being angry. We know that. He came down from Mount Sinai with the Ten Commandments and 
Um, he, all saw, he saw all the people dancing around the golden, golden calf that his brother had formed and, and asked the people to contribute their jewelry. And he took the tablets, which were, was the word of God at that time, and he smashed them into pieces. God wasn't as mad at Moses for that as he was for disobeying him here. So he, we know that he was angry. So why would God wait so long to judge him for this flash of temper there? This is, he was being punished and judged and the promised land was not going to happen because of him smiting the rock. Because God said, speak to the rock. And as when God opened this up to me today as to why, I thought, man, this is awesome and this is why it's going to tail off of this morning. So if you look at Aaron, you're looking at kind of Moses and Aaron, and you know Aaron would actually end up dying because of this. In Numbers 20, 24, and 26, it says, Aaron shall be gathered unto his people, for he shall not enter into the land which I have given unto the children of Israel, because he rebelled against my word at the water of Meribah, and stripped Aaron of his garments, and put them upon Eleazar his son, and Aaron shall be gathered unto his people, and he shall die there. So Aaron was the one who had fashioned this golden calf while Moses was on the mountain receiving the Ten Commandments. Aaron even built an altar and worshipped the calf with the people. He even had to die for something that you would think, if, if he had to die for something, you would think it would be for doing something like that, creating this golden image and having all these people come together to worship it. But he didn't have to die for that. So this was a huge guilty by association type of an act for Aaron of smiting the rock when they were instructed to speak to the rock. Like in verse 25 of Deuteronomy 3, Moses kind of recounted to the people um, his um, appealing to the Lord. And it says um, in verse 25, I pray thee, let me go over and see the good land that is beyond Jordan, that goodly mountain in Lebanon. So saying, God, let me go over. I want to see this, what you have promised. And remember that it was Moses who had stood before God between the wrath of God and the sinning people when the Lord told him in Deuteronomy 9.14, let me alone that I may destroy them, that I may blot their name from under heaven and will make of thee a nation mightier and greater than they. So Moses stood in the gap. He stood on the breach of this and the Lord ended up relenting from that thought. It's pretty awesome. Moses was an awesome man of God. But, that, but he got himself into some trouble by disobeying and doing it with an attitude. So in Deuteronomy 3.26, so Moses stood in the breach, so it was coming, so now Moses was coming to God on behalf of his own sin, only to be told in Deuteronomy 3.26, let it suffice thee, speak no more unto me of this matter. In other words, God was basically saying, this is the way it's going to be, Moses, don't talk to me about it anymore. Don't bring it up. You're not going to the promised land. So think about your life, where you are, the call of God on your life and how lost it may be. And you're wondering if it, you're, you're still redeemable. You're wondering if Romans 11:29 it says the call of God is irrevocable, which means it cannot be revoked like your driver's license for certain offenses. It's always there. I'm not sure if it's there. It's there. The Bible says it's there. So this was such a huge offense to God, and it kind of, but how does it speak to us today? So in order to understand why God took such, 
severe action after this disobedience, you kind of need to see the whole, and like I said before, this whole journey as a foreshadowing of what was going to happen in the New Testament with Jesus at the cross. God opened this up to me and I thought, this is, this is pretty sweet. And I know you've seen examples like this before, but I don't want to confuse what I'm going to be saying this evening with once saved, always saved, eternal security. I'm not talking about those types of concepts, philosophies, theologies. But there is a certain I am the Lord's. Now, I'm not talking about coming to the altar, receiving salvation, repenting, and then going back and living a lifestyle that's not pleasing to God, cursing God, and dying and still think you're going to heaven. Probably never were saved. You understand the difference? Okay? So, as a youth pastor, as leading different things, conferences, being in front of people quite a bit, speaking and offering altar calls and things like that, I always see... I always kind of see people and observe people coming to the altar to get saved again. Okay? Um, doesn't that kind of take away the work at the cross if you're constantly getting saved? <laughs> um, so I want you to kind of hear this. I'm always seeing people coming back for salvation. Every time they fail, they need to get saved again. Okay, please understand where this is coming from tonight. So you don't realize that when you first came to Christ, your sins were dealt with. Do you believe that? Do you believe that tonight? Because a lot of us in the church aren't living that way. So um, Exodus 17, 6 says, Behold, I will uh, stand. Uh, uh, behold, I will stand before thee there upon the rock of Horeb, and thou shalt smite the rock. So this is earlier where God does say smite the rock. Uh, this is, God is so faithful, I'm, I can't wait to show you this. And maybe you already know and are aware. So earlier he says smite the rock and there shall come water out of it that the people may drink. So this, the, the plan of God from the beginning of time was to send his son to die on a cross for people who had sinned against him and then to regather at the end of all that a people that were redeemed by his blood that he calls the church. The second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. The rapture of the church of Jesus Christ. So this was, a, this was all foreshadowing. Smite the rock, Exodus 17, 6 says. In that before, he says, smite the rock and water will come out of it and people may drink. So it was kind of a foreshadowing of what happened at Calvary. If you remember the movie, um, the, the Passion of the Christ, where the soldier takes the spear and jabs Jesus with it. And if you remember, water flows on top of this guy to the point something happened, that guy hit his knees, and he knew, he knew at that moment it seemed like that, that, that guy's not normal. Supernaturally, the Son of God, he must be. Something happened. He smote the rock in Exodus, it says, and water flow, flew out of it, or was flowing out of it that people may drink. So it's a foreshadowing of a type of the cross. The rock was smitten just as Jesus was smitten on his way to the cross. You're going to see in just a moment how this goes with this morning. Luke 22:64 says, They struck him on the face. So I, was, I looked up a few scriptures with Jesus being smitten or struck. 
And we know that during his crucifixion, it says in John 18, 22, one of the officers which stood by struck Jesus with the palm of his hand. In Mark 15, 19, it says, they smote him with their hands. Sorry, that's John 19, 3. And in Mark 15, 19, it says, and they smote him on the head. Okay, so just as water was pouring forth from the rock when Moses struck it, John 19, 14 is saying, but one of the soldiers with his spear pierced the side of Jesus, and there came out blood and water. So you can imagine the disappointment of God in Moses disobeying. He said, speak to the rock. Don't smite the rock this time. The rock has been smitten. Jesus is the rock. He has been smitten. It is done. It is finished. You are forgiven. I don't have to come to the altar. Please understand this tonight, Lord. Please help us understand this. I don't have to come to the altar over and over and over to get saved, to get saved, to get saved, to get saved. Every time I fail, like my father sang this morning, it is finished. Jesus Christ is a tight, he is the rock. And on this rock, he's referred to as the rock. I go to the rock. Is that Jesus? So this rock that Jesus, that God at the time told Moses to speak to, Moses got an attitude and said, you rebels, gather together, and he smote the rock. No, 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 the rock was already smitten and struck before in Exodus. It reminds me that Jesus has been smitten. So now I don't have, Jesus doesn't have to be smitten again. It talks about in Romans, he died once, he was raised once, we're to die with him, we're to resurrect into his life once. (laughs) So we don't have to keep smiting the rock. Where It says to speak to the rock. That is awesome. Speak to Jesus. So the Bible says this in John 14, 13 and 14. I think I lost my place. I did. Okay. So when the blood and the water was flowing out of Jesus, the blood obviously was for redeeming us. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. There is no redemption. The blood was for redemption. The water was for life. It's a type of living water. The life, it was, it was almost a, a foreshadowing of the Trinity, of Jesus Christ and the, the Father and the Holy Spirit. So you have this type of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Father sending the Son to the earth, knowing why He's sending the Son. The Son being smitten or struck, bruised for our transgressions in our iniquity smitten and out of that came living water the holy spirit life that is supposed to be guiding us into all truth as we live and i thought over in the office today man god you are reminding me of some awesome things because as someone who has been to church my whole life it's good to be reminded of these things because like we said this morning it's time to move forward it's time to move forward with the Lord. John 7, 37 and thir- through 39 says, Jesus said, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the Scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, kind of 
paraphrasing or jumping around here, which they that believe him should receive. So this is a, a, a picture of redemption of mankind. Not just an, wasn't just an ordinary rock. This rock was producing life. It says, for all the people, water came flowing out for everyone. It, was, it, was, uh, it wasn't just an ordinary rock. It wasn't just an ordinary situation that was happening. So as all these things, as I want to encourage you to read from the Old Testament, think about Calvary, think about the cross, think about how it, how it parallels and how it foreshadows the events to come at the cross. If you view the Bible in that way, the scriptures will, will I think, maybe start to make more sense and will say, well, the Old Testament doesn't. Really? Really? Just look, read, ask God, open this passage up to me. How does this relate to Jesus, which is the center of the whole Word of God, the center, the gospel message, the center of the whole Bible and its whole purpose is the gospel. It's not chance, it's not just happenstance that, that, that water poured out of the side of Christ. He was the rock. This is pretty awesome. 1 Corinthians 10.4 says, Paul said, and did all drink the same spiritual drink for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. So all of this is pointing to me, a wretched sinner being redeemed by the blood of Jesus, by the washing of the water of the Word, by living water washing me. It's to, to the church of Jesus Christ. It's to this eternal kingdom that's coming and now is and starts when you make a decision for Christ so he was smitten for us and he only had to be smitten once that's why God said to Moses a second time speak to the rock and Isaiah 53 4 and 5 says surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows yet we did esteem him stricken smitten of God and afflicted but he was wounded for our transgressions and was bruised for our iniquities I remember, um, I think maybe last year at the restoration, which by the way, it's a little bittersweet this weekend. This is restoration weekend. It's all good though. It's okay. Restoration here at New Hope. And I remember speaking about the word iniquities and what it meant at the restoration. And, and it refers to obviously our failings, our sin, our misery, our suffering. And there was one definition of iniquity that said our twisted craving for sin twisted craving for sin everything sinful on this earth iniquity iniquity twisted craving all the sex slave and trade of 11 12 13 14 year old girls iniquity iniquity all the the most crazy weird deranged demented things you can think of iniquity a twisted craving for sin and he was smitten for all of it and wounded to make a way for us, obviously, with the, the, the temple, the veil was torn and into the very presence of a holy God, never again to worry about where we'd have to spend eternity because of the act on the cross. And now we have access to the Father through Jesus Christ. And now we have, obviously, the power to receive and become the full sons and daughters of God, cleansed as his righteousness. Isaiah 53, 5 says, the chastisement of our peace was upon him. All that separated us from God's promises, his life, his strength, his victory. And with his stripes, it says, we are healed. We are healed. We are healed. It may not look like it at times. We look like a mess at times, but we are healed. We are healed, the Bible says. We are sometimes an awful-looking mess. 
but we are healed from the penalty of sin and its power. So when he died on the cross, he said, it is finished. We don't want to take, by getting saved over and over and over and over again and saying, I got saved again. You need to get saved one time. Do you understand that? Where you pass from death unto life, where John and Nicodemus were speaking, you were born of, of the flesh, born, and now you need, born of water, now you need to be born of the spirit. Not over and over and over. That takes away and diminishes the it is finished part of Calvary. So it may not look like it sometimes, but we are healed. The reigning of the enemy, the devil's reign, the weakness of sin, the penalty, it's all finished. The rock, Jesus, was smitten on Calvary, was smitten, was struck. As a result, uh, the power of God is given to you and I to become these new creations that Corinthians talks about, old things passing away, all things becoming new. It is finished. We have a righteousness that is not our own. Praise God for that. In our perfection, God says that definition of perfect isn't, isn't perfect. It's having a perfect heart towards God. And we didn't earn this. We don't deserve this. It's given to us by faith. It's given to us by faith. I didn't earn it. I didn't deserve it. Jesus was smitten for me. If this doesn't make you get excited, I don't think anything will. You have to take this back to your prayer closet. But like I said this morning, when you go there, be sure Satan's going in with you. So, instead of smiting the rock over and over again, it's time to speak to the rock. Like Numbers says, speak to the rock. The Lord said to Moses in Numbers 20, verse 8, Speak ye unto the rock. He wasn't to strike it. It had already been smitten. And now it was time to speak to the rock, Jesus, that gives life and living water flows out of this rock of Christ. John 14, 13 and 14 says, And whatsoever you ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And if you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. We confuse this scripture a lot. We need to start recognizing our position in God. In all humility failing and then getting back up like the righteous man does seven times over and over again john 16 23 and 24 says verily verily i say unto you whatsoever you shall ask in the father in my name he will give it to you um hitherto have ye asked nothing in my name asking you shall receive that your joy may be full so the sacrifice of christ that it talks about in in romans and in all these different books that all links together was made one time I don't have to smite the rock anymore. That's works. That's getting saved over and over again. That doesn't mean to continue to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling and to examine yourself and look introspectively. Do those things. But it doesn't mean you have to get saved over and over again. If you have responded to the offer of salvation, if you have done that with a sincere heart and you have intended to walk with God and you've repented and you've turned away from sin and a lifestyle of sin and you've received a cleansing of his blood the first smitting of the rock was sufficient it was enough you're saved please Lord give an understanding to the people tonight of what I'm saying don't confuse this the life the water that came from uh, this smiting this it became ours You, you never have to return to an altar 
again, specifically for salvation. Do you understand this? This is where the church is. Thinking that we need, um, a lot of times the church is godly people, saved people sometimes will feel condemned. Not good enough. You understand that the work he did has everything to do with it. It has nothing to do with me. So as a youth pastor, I just, sometimes I see kids coming back over and over again. I need to get saved again. What do you mean saved again? I need the salvation experience again. Every time I fail, I got to get saved again. And we're not realizing that when we first come to Christ, our sins are absolutely dealt with and we're given this cleanness in Christ. And what God is saying is clean, like we said this morning, let no man call unclean. So if sins were directed towards, kind of towards, or attributed to those who belong to Jesus, we, listen, we, We'd be saved. At, we'd be saved tonight at seven o'clock. We'd be unsaved at eight. We'd be saved at nine. We'd be unsaved at ten. We'd be saved at eleven. Wouldn't we? Understand the work that was done. This is encouraging. So, if you're kind of wondering, you know, why even bother to call myself a Christian? The sacrifice still applies. Your sins are still forgiven. So you don't have to come and be saved again. I know there's like a rededication and you're constantly examining ourselves and that's scriptural, that's good. But to be saved again, can't you pinpoint that moment in your life? God knows who, the, who and what people are truly his. God's people constantly will have a conviction in their life. Constantly, constantly. You ever feel that way? Over and over again. Don't do that, don't go there all the time the Bible says in Psalms that the thoughts of God are not in the ungodly but to us this whole gospel this crucifixion the cross it's the power of God I should be thinking about God in my daily dealings all day long you feel like that now you think about the people that have left this church think about it about people that have left the faith I don't want to have the, a confusing conversation. But if they're his, they'll return. They'll come back. And they're being convicted every moment as they're away. So the Lord is hopefully speaking to us tonight to just don't lose your confidence in, the, in what was done on Calvary. Now, my, me, we might even... You know, understand that sin, it, it can affect us. It can affect us. It can affect our relationship with God. God. It, 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 it kind of dulls our mind, makes us numb to things, causing us not necessarily to hear his voice sometimes. Sin can do that. Sin can cause that to happen. We might even maybe start living in a certain way, certain attitudes. But if you are a genuine, sincere believer, you had a, an experience, there will be conviction in your heart always, always, always. So this is, I, I entitled this message, Offending God and the Sacrifice of His Son. Offending God and the Sacrifice of His Son. By saying that what He did on Calvary wasn't enough. Because I have to continue to get saved over and over again. 
So you know, when I, when I fail to present this as a youth pastor, the completeness of Christ's victory on the cross, in spite of all these things or our present condition, we, we like I said earlier, we diminish the whole it is finished. And what happened at the cross? We diminish the greatness and the compassion, the power of the cross of Christ. We take away from that. You understand, it was one sacrifice. It was one time. So if I were, I need to, to explain to our young people about this. We need to explain to you, if I were to condone this, that you need to get saved every week. Is that how, you ever felt like that? Um, I, I don't want to have people come to the altar for salvation every single week. It, that offends the work of God. It takes away from what happened one time on Calvary. So you look at Moses, and he was annoyed with the people at the time. He took the rock, or the rod, he had an attitude, and he struck the rock again when God said, speak to it, don't strike it. He didn't even say smite it or strike it. He just said, speak to it. And Moses had an attitude, and he, and he uh, smote the rock. Again, it was done earlier in Exodus, which also was done on Calvary. And God's saying, you don't need to smite the rock anymore. The work is done. It is finished. I, the rock, have been smitten, have been crucified. I died once, I resurrected once into this new life, and I offer it to you. So he, he came to this point, Moses, kind of like, uh, like Jonah, this dilemma that Moses was facing was basically he just didn't believe maybe God could be that merciful to people. Now, what are our conversations like? We run into this a lot with young people who don't know how to minister to people. Not just youth, a lot of people. It's judgmental, it's condemning and I, I say this with confidence that once you really experience the mercy of God, that is what you will extend to others. I'm telling you, it's the truth. It's happened to me a few years. God has done a lot of things in my life in the past few years. And, and uh, the message that God has put in my heart is mercy towards people, towards others, no matter how they look, how they smell, what their lifestyle is, no matter what arguments they try to bring, things that don't make sense. It's a message of mercy, the cross is. Moses didn't think that God would be that merciful. Jonah was mad that God would be that merciful. Again, aren't you glad that a human being is not God? There'd be no mercy. None. God's nature is mercy. It is forgiveness. It is love. And His mercy endureth forever. Forever. While we are on this earth. And this is... So... So Moses didn't really believe that God could or would be or should be that merciful to all these people that he had been leading through the desert for 40 years and was at times sick of them and all their complaining and God was still being merciful. So I guess you know, making people who are saved, who have had a genuine, sincere conversion and it's legitimate, it's real, there's fruit, there's repentance making people who are saved 
as a youth pastor, making kids that are saved feel as if their sin continues. What do I want to say here? It takes away the work of the cross if I am condemning people that are already saved. Making people that are saved feel like they're not saved. Making people that are saved feel condemned. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. This is a message of mercy. Now the Bible says to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. I understand that and that's something we're going to have to do. And God does everything to draw you closer to himself. And if you are misinterpreting this tonight by the Spirit of God, I hope that you have a, a that you can comprehend the word tonight. It's not once saved, always saved, eternal security philosophy theory. It is God is full of mercy. And, and God doesn't want his people taking away the work that was done on Calvary. Feeling like I have to get saved every time I go into my prayer closet because I have failed. And I have to get saved all over again. The church, I just feel God telling me this is something that the church struggles with as well. So, the sacrifice was, was made one time. We don't just want to say we're saved, not saved, saved, not saved, saved, not saved. And when time runs out, finally kind of hope that we're on the right side of the clock when Jesus comes back. There's an assurance. There's an absolute assurance. If you look, um, I'm going to go to Hebrews 4 if you want to turn there. So basically in Deuteronomy 3, 26 and 27, kind of paraphrasing, God is saying, don't talk to me about this again. This is so grievous that you are not going to the promised land. You are negating the work that was done. You are negating the sm smiting that was done. So we know that Moses went to heaven, but he missed out on the promised land on earth. Let that sink in. Do you just want to make it to heaven? I know you'll be glad. Is that all you want? You want to be like Moses who missed out on the promises of God in this life and just made it to heaven. I don't want to miss out what God has for me in this life. So church, let's stop believing that we have to get saved over and over again. Stop smiting the rock. It's in vain. Stop smiting the rock. You're saved. If you're saved, you're saved. Time to move forward like we talked about this morning. So, um, you know, I, I definitely believe that there is, there's going to be a great harvest of souls in these last days. I think that New Hope Church is going to have a, a major part in this. We've been in a really big mess. I know that, you know, the Lord to me is kind of speaking to me and saying, be careful, Adam. Be careful the message that you give to other people. Be careful what you're telling them. Be careful that, you know, don't try to make saved people feel like they're not saved. Don't condemn people. Be careful with this message. Be careful that you're not trying to smite the rock over and over again, making people who have walked with the Lord for years question their salvation if it's even real or not. But this is up to them. It's up to you and God to talk about this. I don't know. I don't know man's heart. I barely know my own heart. It deceives me. But I know that God knows it and He shows me things. And you know, God's telling me to be careful. I don't have the right to, to, to call things that are clean unclean. I don't have that right. 
as a youth pastor, as a husband, as, a, as an administrator. That's not my job. It's God's job to search the heart of people. So God extends this incredible invitation to his people. In Hebrews 4, 14 and 16, it says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not a high, for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace. This is the point here, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. The Bible says to come boldly, not when we're strong, but just to come bold, boldly, especially in our time of weakness, especially, it says, in our time of need. So if we're struggling today, there's an invitation here. Come and talk to the rock. Speak to the rock. Don't smite the rock. It's in vain. It diminishes what happens at the cross. It was done one time. The, wor the works of sin have been destroyed by the, by, by the Lord Jesus. We have the right to come to Jesus just as we are. You don't have to feel bad, oh man, I gotta go get saved again. No, you don't. If you're saved, you're saved. If you're not, you're not. There needs to be a genuine turning point in your life where you repent and give your life to Jesus Christ and to trust in the blood of Jesus Christ and to put your faith in the work of Jesus Christ as a gift to humanity. If you're not, you're not. If you are, you are. It's just as simple as that. The Spirit bears witness inside of me, the Bible says. You either know this or you do not. If you are unsure, tonight is a night to give your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ for the first time, recognizing this, the, the, the smiting that took place on Calvary. And after that point, you don't have to smite anymore. You get to speak. You get to speak to the rock. This is a good word. You get to speak to the rock. This is an invitation to talk to the rock tonight. This is an invitation to talk to God. We have the right to come to him just as we are. And above all, with the heart, hopefully, that wants him. Do you want Jesus tonight? Do you want him tonight? So you may be afraid of the future. May, you may maybe have had a view of, of what walking with, with God was supposed to be in it. Maybe it hasn't come to fruition in your life or in my life. Man, I thought I'd be a lot further at this point. I'm disappointed in my life. Where I should be and where I am, it's just disappointing. It's discouraging. It's a little depressing. That's not what I put my trust in. God knows my future. If you're even wondering why, again, you would call yourself a Christian, the Lord says the sacrifice of the smiting of the rock, it still applies. Your sins are forgiven. You don't have to come and be saved again and smite the rock again. Just come and talk to the rock. Just come and speak to the rock like he told Moses to do in Numbers. Can we do this tonight? Do we understand you can start to dim the lights just a little bit? Do you understand this invitation that God is giving to the saved, the redeemed tonight? Again, I've, God kind of showed me that altar calls, yeah, they are a place of death. They are a place of sacrifice. They are a place where um, death has, has to occur, where we die to ourselves and are risen into the life of Christ and we lay these burdens down and so forth. But it's a place where you simply come and agree with the Word of God. 
Uh, you don't have to walk with your head down shamefully to the altar thinking you're nothing and thinking that come to the altar and like God says, speak to the rock. Speak to the rock tonight. This is an incredible invitation from God. If you're thirsty, the, Jesus is saying, talk to me. Stop smiting and doing these things in vain over and over again. I'm ready for you to move forward with me and in me. And, and, and if you are hungry, talk to me. Talk to the rock. If you are fearful, talk to me. Stop smiting the rock. Speak to the rock. If you are struggling, talk to me. Jesus is saying to New Hope tonight. If, if, if darkness is, is, has a cloud over your head or if, or if the enemy is conquering you, talk to me, the Bible says. Come and speak to the rock tonight. If you're caught in a besetting sin, talk to me. Don't wait until you have it all together. New Hope, hear this word tonight. Don't wait until you're strong. Come to me when you're weak. Come boldly like the word says. Jesus is inviting us. He's inviting me. I know he's inviting me to the prayer closet to stay humble, but to quit concentrating on the past and to move forward. This is not a walk for just strong people. It's not the strong only. It's for all people. It's for all cultures. And, and, and if you're on the top of the mountain or if you're underneath the mountain, it's for us. Come with confidence, it says, with boldness approach my throne. You are my child. God is speaking to New Hope Church tonight. You don't have to hide from me. You don't have to put your head down or your hoodie up and just walk around in shame. I was smitten for you, thus saith the Lord. The work is finished. I was wounded for your transgressions. I was bruised for your iniquities. All of your failures have been laid upon me. And by my stripes, you are healed. New Hope, grasp this tonight. This is hard for some people to hear because sometimes we think that, that holiness is walking around with our heads down and, and not looking at anybody because we're afraid that we're going to fail and we think holiness is walking around mournful and sad because of our failings. Stop it. You are the light of the world. You are a city on a hill that is not supposed to be hidden. God wants to display you to this world. And he wants to display me as much as I think I'm not worthy. He made a way. Do you understand this tonight? My goodness, this is the whole thing that the prodigal son, as he was coming back, he's rehearsing in his head, what am I going to say to my father? I'm going to say this, okay? This is what I'm going to say. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Hire me as one of your servants. The father doesn't even acknowledge that. He takes him in and he throws a feast and a celebration and kills the fatted calf and puts a robe on him and slips a ring on his finger, celebrating that his son, who was dead, is now alive in Christ, who has returned. New Hope Church, please understand this. Luke 15, 18, and 19, kind of paraphrasing, I've sinned and I'm not worthy. Make me a slave in your house. Stop saying that. Stop saying that you're only worthy of the crumbs that fall off the table. My Bible says that you are a royal priesthood. You are a chosen generation. Be encouraged tonight. Let's stand to our feet. The father didn't even answer him. Didn't even acknowledge this. Simply embraced him. 
Listen, if you're struggling today, you are a son and a daughter of God. If you are saved, you should know that you are saved. If you are not sure, you need to make that decision tonight. Life begins tonight. At the first smiting of the rock, and from this point forward, you get to speak to the rock. You get to speak to him. You get to go to your closet and you get to speak to Jesus. You get to speak to the King, to God himself. You now get to speak with him if you've had this conversion. If you're struggling today, I just want to extend this invitation. You have the right. You have the right. You have the right to come to him just as you are. Every struggle you have, every frailty, every feeling of condemnation, everything you have, bring it to the altar. But bring a heart that wants him, that wants him. As you speak to him about what is, what is maybe on your heart, he, he promises you that water. He's saying, okay, it used to take water coming out of the rock with a smiting. Well, now it just takes speaking to the rock. Now you get to speak to the rock and you get the benefits of the blood of the Son that cleanses and makes clean and the water of the Spirit of God that gives life. And all you have to do is speak to Him now, not smite over and over again. The work on Calvary is done. The curse of sin is broken and busted up. It's the power of the Holy Spirit cleansing us, strengthening us, giving us faith where we have lost it. Listen, don't be afraid to talk to Him. I'm telling you, I see, I see people that ha were his or that continue to feel the conviction. Think of every person past and, and, and present who have attended this church who maybe you thought were walking with God. Maybe they have walked away. I see an end time. It's not going to come without, without, without persecution, without hardship, without financial uh, struggles in our country. It's not going to happen without that, but there's going to be maybe another an awakening, a revival of God's people. And I see it. I may even be speaking prophetically now. I remember when God, but there's going to be piercings and crazy hairdos, and they're going to come from the north, North Point Drive maybe, maybe more than that, from the south, Maysville Pike, wherever they're scattered at, and they're going to come back to the house of God. Maybe it's going to start within their own prayer closet. Maybe it's going to start by something they hear as they drive down the road, and they just break under the Spirit of God convicting them. And they're going to come from the east and the west, maybe out past East Pike, West Pike. It, they're coming back. Do you understand that? There's going to be a great returning. I'm telling you, church, stop smiting over and over again. There ha there's work to be done. Start putting your faith in the fact that you can now speak to the rock in whatever condition you're in, and you can put your faith in that. Hallelujah. Confidence in this word tonight. I know it. I know it. Thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness. Let's put some music on. Come to the altars. It's an invitation to talk to the rock tonight. Speak to the rock. That was the instruction given. Make your way up. We don't have to start music for you to come up. Make your way to the altar, New Hope Church, and let's speak to him. You don't have to hang your head in shame. Come down as the royal priesthood of God. We thank you, Lord. You are so merciful, God. We love you, Lord Jesus. You're a good God. You're a merciful God. Listen, there's mercy at the altar tonight. 
If you've never given your heart to God, please grab a friend, grab somebody. They'll pray with you. Hallelujah, Father. You are good, Lord. You are faithful, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. We rest in you. We rest in you, Lord. Equip this church, Lord Jesus, to go out. Hallelujah, Father. You are worthy, Lord Jesus. I honor you, Lord Jesus. I don't want just lip service, God. My heart wants you, Lord. It desires you, Lord. Call us back to the prayer closet, Lord. Invite us to speak to the rock, Lord Jesus, in the prayer closet all day long, Lord Jesus. <laughs> you are amazing, Lord Jesus. You are a good God. You are full of mercy. How majestic is your name in all the earth, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah to the Lamb. There is none like you. There is no other name under heaven which men can receive salvation. You are a good God, Father. Chase, can you get Rod? in my lungs thanks brother hallelujah Lord he is good hallelujah to the lamb you are worthy Lord Jesus you are faithful Lord God wrong you change Give me mine. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. You are faithful. You are worthy, Lord Jesus. You make all things new, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You guys can go ahead and start. Let's, if we can stand, let's worship. We'll close the worship tonight. Get ready to start another week. Stand at your feet. Please feel free to come up to the front. Let's worship it together as a church don't be afraid to lift your hands don't be afraid to sing it out hallelujah Lord let's worship him tonight 
Oh, <laughs> 